0: Do you know, I always um, have a drink of water to preach, but I'm, with these new, I'm always kind of like concerned that I'm going to like dunk it. <laughs> I <Kind of like, laughs> don't know what happened then. It's kind of like, it really is. It's like every time I do it, it's like, oh gosh, here we go. Think straw, yeah. People think it's gin and tonic then or something. <laughs> Great. Great, let's pray. we have uh, loved you in song, Jesus, and we love you with our intellect, and uh, we, we love you with, with our, our faith that seeks understanding. We love you for the scriptures. Does not, they're not always easy, Jesus, but um, I pray that, that this evening, that which we read from Ephesians and, and that which we consider would would make sense, Lord, pennies would drop. Decisions would be made, faith would be built. Pray that you would be heard and loved in a greater measure. I pray, Jesus, that you would refine us. I pray that if there's, there's mindsets and heartsets that are contrary, hardened, kind of uh, deep-seated, that the truth of your word would, would accomplish all that you would intend. We don't conform the scriptures to us, but we seek to be conformed by your spirit to you. Let these words shape our path. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 One of the things I, uh, I've i noticed when I see my, um, my goddaughter and her two little children, siblings is uh when i give them uh kind of go and say good night to them and pray with them kind of uh told to make sure they're in bed and don't get out again strict godfather that i am one of the last things they say to me is uh, leave the light on as i'm about to switch the light off i can't stand having the light on to sleep um last night we were at dads and lads not we not only was there snoring uh, as I told you about this morning. There was also, in the uh, room in um, Hook Norton Field Center, we turned all the lights up and the blinds were down, but there was this uh, ginormous fire exit sign over the door, which glowed all night. Leave the light on. The light, uh, light has a lot to do in Scripture, understandably. You remember, everyone remember what Matthew five fourteen talks about? Pop quiz. You're the light of the world. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, but particularly light. In Luke um, chapter 8, verse 8 to 16. Uh, sorry, chapter 8, verse 16. Jesus again says, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light or in 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 5 you are all sons of the light and sons of the day we don't belong to the night or the darkness or in Philippians paul describes christians and encourages to shine like stars what did you say lights shine like stars we are called to that, leave the light on. Why do why does my little children want the light to be on? They're scared of the dark, scared of the dark. My mum used to always tell me when they were out and I was going out, leave the light on. She thought it was the best burglar deterrent because the light would be on someone's home. I leave the light on because there's those shadows in the dark. I had one of those moments the other day when I was uh, in a hotel room that my kind of ski gear was in the dark, and it looked like a person was standing in the room. I thought, thought, no, you're 44, come on. (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it, how the dark plays tricks. Paul encourages us to leave the light on. Let me read to you. From Ephesians chapter 5. Follow God's example therefore as dearly loved children and walk in the ways of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenities, foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, don't be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's even shameful to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Leave the light on. Leave the light on. Sometimes when I read those passages, there's part of me that kind of draws back and thinks, Oh, it's a little bit condemnatory, Paul. I mean some of these things seem to be so commonplace and indeed part of my experience. Foolish talk. I do that a lot. <laughs> Of course, joking. Maybe sometimes I refrain, but I know kind of what it's like sometimes. Do I always give thanks? No. But leave the light on. Sometimes we, we sing in the, in the morning service and the evening service occasionally that uh, song by the Wren Collective, My Lighthouse Shining in the Darkness. Light isn't just for our own benefit. Light, like a lighthouse, shines in the darkness. Not only to warn of danger, but to steer safe passage. In many ways, that's the call of the Christian to leave the light on, to shine like stars, to remember that we are sons and daughters of the light and of the day, that we don't belong to the night or to darkness. You are the light. Of the world it's amazing how we don't really understand darkness anymore I mean normal darkness you know the black night because we have electricity we have phones you know it used to be you had to rummage around for a torch didn't you but now it's like a click and you know shining around um, even candles, old school. I remember uh, when I was living in Zimbabwe for six months, and we were in a township, actually it was a squatter settlement, and they only had little stumpy candles because they were expensive and they were almost burnt out. That when it went dark, people stopped living. They went to bed. Because there was no light. It was dark. And life ceased. So much of our light, so much of our daytime, so much of our experience is extended. Street lights and so forth. We we don't understand often how life-sapping darkness is. A man named uh, Rud, an adventurer and explorer, told what it was like to live in the North Pole during the three months of darkness over the winter. He said, you never see the sun. He said, I ached and hungered to see the dawn. Then one morning in February, he climbed atop the windswept bridge and sat facing quietly east. The sky was a gray sheet. Then it became a pale blue which deepened. There was a silent rush of color as the sun rose. Rudd stood blinking his frozen tears on his cheeks. Many hunger for what they know not. They ache and hunger for the dawn. For the sun to rise, we live in a dark world. Christians are called to shine the light. I have a, a friend, a really good friend, and uh, he, for a, a time, was working in Stockton, and uh, the northeast, and uh, he's he's not a follower of Jesus. Uh, but he has a great compassion, a great heart for those who are on the edge of society, and he established. He moved out of a, a kind of a successful GP practice and his his very expensive little car that he used to drive around, uh, and he very he very quickly set up a practice called Arrival, which was a GP practice for asylum seekers and refugees, and it was the kind of like it was the only one in the area and the only one um, uh, kind of that was. Um, in, the, in that area, because he was finding that GPs were, were not wanting to embrace uh, a lot of the refugees and asylum seekers that were coming in, that there were language issues, and there was no experience, and there were kind of whole uh, kind of cases of tropical diseases, and there were all sorts of issues around torture and abuse, and, and the GPs couldn't cope. And so he, he set about setting up this practice that had dozens and dozens of interpreters attached to it because of, of, of all that was needed. And... Um, he started to advocate and champion for the rights of uh, of asylum seekers and and refugees, and I was once talking to him about saying, "That's great, Paul. You know, he, he has such a kind of. He's like one of these people that I think he would wouldn't call himself a person of peace, but he would. Just, you know, he is one of those people of peace. He's a kingdom person, but he doesn't believe in God. It's kind of one of those bizarre things. He has a huge amount of compassion, but we were talking about it, and he was he was really upset one day." Because he said, the only ones doing something apart from him are Christians. I said, really? He said, yeah, it's just the Christian. He, he doesn't really like Christians. He likes me um, and a few others. But he, he said, that it's amazing that in all of this stuff in the Northeast, the only ones he knew that was manning kind of food banks or charity shops of, of, of welcoming the stranger were Christians. And I was so heartened by that. A guy called Tom Sine said, I'm convinced that the world doesn't take us Christians seriously because they're so much like the world. We're caught up in the same miserable rat race of self-seeking consumerism and materialism. Ouch. Really, very much. Ephesians is one of those uh, kind of timely letters for, for our world and particularly the church in our day and, and indeed every generation chapter 5 it it reminds us and the context is always this is what God has done the first three chapters this is what God has done and now in the light of that this is who we are and how we live it's not about moralism and about do-goodery it's about worship in response to the greatness and goodness of God but it does mean life change leave the light on christian and he's a letter for today challenging greed and language and sexual behavior greed is one of those things that uh, my non-christian friends will often say well the church is caught up on sexual stuff it's always talking about who you're in bed with or not and who you should marry or not but it doesn't say anything about greed but paul does he says he says you know uh, it's re- it becomes um uh, it becomes like an idol For us, be sure of this: no immoral, impure, or greedy person. Such a person isn't an idolater. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of God? I was just remembering uh, yesterday with someone at at, at, um, New Wine a number of years ago. uh, They invited a guy called Jim Wallace, who uh, was uh, very into social justice, social politics. He he, is involved in particularly. It was I don't know where he is now, but he's written. He wrote a really good book called God's Politics. Why the Right is Wrong and the Left Don't Get It. It's a great title uh, in America. But he preached at New Wine to, to kind of middle-class lands. And, and, and I love New Wine and all the people that go there. I go there. But he talked about justice and equity. And it ruffled a lot of feathers. I think he only found a little bit of solace because he said he would married the, the writer of the Vicar of Dibley uh, He was married to that, to the the, the writer of that, and everyone was like, oh, I like the Vicar of Dibley. So he became acceptable, even though he was a prophet on the margins. But our society, and, and indeed our church, doesn't consider greed a sin, which only shows how easily evil deceives. Of course, Paul is very concerned about sexual purity, or perhaps more importantly, or as importantly, sexual impurity. Don't allow the mind to dwell where it doesn't belong. Don't place yourself in compromising situations. Don't commit sexual sins of any type. It's idolatry. But we're so mixed up. We send out uh, contradictory messages that reveal condemnation for an activity while in other senses it's being embraced. We say, you know, Let's, let's keep adult material away from children. Well, yes, of course, but why if it's so harmless? We kind of fall into the trap of, uh, of sexual titillation, of, uh, of being stimulated, but, uh, but become indignant when there's any sort of sexual harassment. You see the ambiguity of our culture. We kind of say, well, anything goes, sexual restraint as long as it's kind of legal. But Our press and media crucify anyone who would be guilty of illicit sexual activity. And the bizarre contrast of of our entertainment industry that leads both on the promotion of promiscuity and perhaps out of guilt is also leading in the battle against sexually transmitted diseases. They don't sit together, they're contradictory. Paul's calls for us to leave the light on and a call for purity. A guy called, a theologian writer called Ked said, where vice is regarded as amusing, the practice comes easily. Where we find something funny, it's very easy to fall into it. Not just swearing, oh, you know, we just, it doesn't really matter. But we so rarely use words of grace how we speak. James, the book of James, taming the tongue, says our whole life can be guided by this flappy bit of flesh between our lips. The Christian is to leave the light on. We are the light of the Lord and to live as people of light, shining brightly, not just for the few hours that we do the religious thing and then back to normal, blending in, seeping into the scale. We may be the light of the Lord, but we keep our reservations on the train to darkness. Live as children of light. Paul says in verse 8, associate with goodness. For you were once darkness, not just you were once in darkness, but you were once darkness. But now you are the light of the Lord. Live as children of the light. I and mean, that's astonishing, isn't it? Not just we were kind of good beings lost in the darkness, but outside Christ, we are darkness. We're part of that wretched cycle of brokenness. But thanks be to God who rescues us. We are now the light of the Lord. The Lord lives in us. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. We live in a perverse society that calls good bad and doesn't celebrate good. Seek what pleases God, we're told. Verse 10. And key to this in this later chapter is is the whole thing around family, of marriage, of parenthood, of children, of work relationships. Notice it's relationship, not religion. Verse 11, avoid, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds. They don't generate anything good of long-lasting fruit. Don't have anything to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Redeem and work for the Lord, verse 12. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything that is exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes light. That's why it says, wake up, wake up. Both. Are part, part of our job is to resist sin where we find it, and we resist and shine a light by leaving the light on. What light in your home makes the biggest difference? Actually, in real terms. Someone says it's the light in the refrigerator uh, as you uh, go in there for a midnight feast. Someone describes it thus it's not the, the large kind of uh, chandelier above a dining room table, but the little night light that keeps me from stubbing my toe when I get up in the night to use the bathroom it's small but it's more useful to me than the show off light sometimes the most profound light is the light in the midst of the darkness small things can make the biggest difference not the big hooray Leaving the light on requires four things, says Paul. Live continually in the Lord, aware of Him, determined by Him, and discerning what is pleasing to Him. And it's really important that we keep joining together in fellowship, living openly, and allowing people to speak in with words of grace because we're coming and living in this milieu of darkness and it so easily uh, kind of uh, uh, dilutes or uh, kind of affects us. But actually, as we live in community, in a community of light with people who are also consciously choosing, seeking to live a life with Christ, it helps us to discern and spot where we are kind of margining towards compromise. Leaving the light on, live in the Lord, live for the Lord continually, asking for his Holy Spirit to be so evidently prompting us and as tweaking our conscience when we stray away and stop shining light Secondly, refuse to partner or participate in greed or inappropriate language or other forms of disobedience. Um, I think my cousin I was with last week uh, noticed, he, he's uh, 19, and uh, he's not a follower of Jesus. And every so often, he, he would, I won't say the words, but he would just in course, course of conversation, I would always like, oh gosh, that, that's really ugly word. I wouldn't say that to him, but I'd be really you know, surprised. And, and I make sure that I never use those words. Rarely use those words. And I hope people notice. I hope people notice. Uh, you'd be shocked if I did them here, wouldn't you? But it's not just here, I don't use them anywhere. But I know that's a challenge. In the workplace, in different contexts. I know sometimes people really struggle with language. Phil would, would say in his story uh, that was one of the clear distinctives when, when he was rescued and was born again that his bad language stopped overnight. It's not about moralism, it's not about kind of like holier than thou, but it's what's from coming from within. Don't partner or participate in sexual sin or in greed, that's a challenge or in other forms of disobedience. Rather, perform positively, positive actions, do good, live for good things, righteousness, and the ways of truth. And indeed, expose the darkness for what it is. Shine the light. None of it comes easily. It takes effort and action. It takes courage to be wise and to follow Jesus, to be mindful, to walk the narrow road rather than just blend in. Verse fifteen: Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. That's that's a really interesting phrase. That it's it's not so much a book, a rule book. Wisdom isn't just a rule book, is it? It's actually making the better choice. That's the hard thing when faced with two decisions, and you kind of think, well, which one? Which one? We need wisdom. Which is the better choice? Not just necessarily in the now, but what is the longer term? better choice sometimes that's costly because it makes a difference in the here and now of of what we will do but we need wisdom thankfulness is a hallmark of the christian if you've got jewelry turn it over to see if it's real how do you know if it's real the hallmark is it genuine is it true truly precious uh, well, my grandpa used to be involved in uh, the Sheffield Assay office, and I once went with him, and I was astonished by all the gold and the silver and all the precious metals. And um, it was amazing. And uh, you had to be weighed on the way in and weighed on the way out. And I wasn't talking about the donuts. You see, the, the hallmark that is stamped determines if it's genuine. It's been tested and said, this is true. One of the hallmarks of faith is when we acknowledge God and give thanks to him for life. When we, we, we turn our focus away from ourselves, it actually reminds us that, that he has established life and the order of life and all good things come from him. Sin, greed, stems from wanting more. I know best. Thanksgiving is an antidote. It's difficult to give thanks and sin at the same time. Leave the light on. I came across a kind of modern-day parable: a couple living in their house, and, uh, and there was a power cut. It lasted for quite a long time, and on and on and on into the darkness. And the next day, and the next day, and the, the wife said to the husband, um, "Why, uh, why don't you get the candles out?" So the the guy goes to the cupboard and uh, finds a box of candles. All the candles that have been stored for that special day. And he reaches in for the, for the candle that was given for that special occasion. It had that funny scent about it. It's kind of large. And the candle said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm for a special occasion. Don't light me. You know, this is just for the mundane. Choose one of the others. So his hand moved to, to the expensive candle, you know, made of beeswax. Proper stuff. And the camera said, no, don't choose me, don't choose me. I'm not the one you want. You know, I'm for really very, especially, you know, those romantic moments on Valentine's when you want to prove to someone, oh, you're worth it. Okay, I won't use the expensive one. Moves along the shelf uh, to the magnificent shaped one with kind of lettering on the side and some shells tucked in it. I say, oh, no, 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 don't choose me, don't choose me. You don't want to choose me. I'm kind of for that quirky moment and that special occasion, you know, no, 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 no. And then another box. No, no, don't choose me. And the wife says, come on, come on. And the husband cries back. Oh, the candles won't work. She explains, why? Well, they're church candles. So often we can think of ourselves as only available for the special or the expensive or the unusual and forget that we're called for the mundane and the ordinary and the everyday to shine, to shine, to shine. Leave the light on. A guy called Robert Fulgham was once attending a meeting where he couldn't pass the opportunity to ask a question, so he asked, what is the meaning of life? Big question, lots of people laughed. The organizer of the conference held up his hand, still the room, and looked at him for a long time as if his eyes were asking, Are you seriously asking me the question, what's the meaning of life? He kind of realized that it was a genuine question, not just a flippant kind of throwaway. He took out his wallet and he fished around inside it, and he brought out a very small, round mirror about the size of a ten-pence piece. And he said something like this, "'When I was a small child during the war, Second World War, we were very poor and lived in a remote village. One day on the road, I found broken pieces of a mirror. A German motorcycle had been wrecked in that place. I tried to find all the pieces. As I was a child. I thought it would be a game.' I tried to find all the pieces and put them together to make it whole, but it wasn't possible. They were lost. So I just kept the largest piece, this one. He held it up, and by scratching it on a stone carefully, I made it into this round shape. I began to play with it as a toy, and I became fascinated by the fact that I could, I could angle it, and I could reflect light into dark places where the sun would never shine in deep holes and in crevices and and even in the dark corners of my house. It became a game for me to get light into the most inaccessible places I could find. And as he grew up, he said, I kept that little mirror and I went about my growing up and I would take it out from time to time in idle moments and continue the challenge of the game, shining light into the dark places. And as I became a man, I grew to understand that this isn't just a child's game but a metaphor for what I do with my life. I came to understand that I'm not the light, nor am I the source of light, but light, truth, understanding, knowledge is there and will only shine in dark places if I reflect it. He said, I'm a fragment of a mirror, Whose whole design and shape I don't know. Nevertheless, with what I have, I can reflect light into the dark places of this world, into the black places of men and women's hearts, and change some things in some people. Perhaps others may see and do likewise. This is what I'm about. This is the meaning of my life. I find that really challenging. We're called to shine like stars, to leave the light on, to shine. In uh, our worship time just earlier, I was talking to to Brenda and Edmund this morning. Uh, Duncan and Anna, you know them, and they, they don't have WhatsApp, do you? I got four WhatsApps in our worship time, and I thought, I better let you know what they're up to. But it ties in. But just before that, um, Tim in worship shared something. In this shining the light into dark place, it's from Romans ten seventeen. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message or the word, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Tim felt there was a sense for someone here, it's really important to share faith with someone maybe very close to you who hasn't heard or hasn't yet heard. Don't give up shining that light, speaking the word of truth. Maybe that's your testimony to someone really close because faith comes from hearing the message. Duncan and Anna are in Thailand at the moment. Um, I hope you don't mind me reading what they've put. But they're shining light into a dark place. I don't want to disassociate ourselves, but I want to close our service with some with some prayerfulness for ourselves and our community and for Duncan and Anna. He says, it's the middle of the night here in Patia, and our prayer room is in the middle of the red light area, and it's heating up with fiery worship and intercession. It was exciting earlier in the day as one of the foreign female workers from the street walked in and was visibly impacted by God's presence as we worshiped. Amazing opportunities to bless national and international ministries and hold their arms up in all they do. Some of the team head into two different prisons tomorrow, so please be praying for them as they go and release the light and presence of Jesus. Please also be praying for energy and strength as no one is currently getting more than five or four hours sleep at any one point. Amazingly, most of the team currently seem very full of life and pray, it probably doesn't mean Duncan, and pray for unity amongst the team as we're not getting to connect all that much as a big group during these three uh, days of 24-7. Thanks so much. This is, uh, really is immeasurably impactful and your prayers are part of it. And then he sends a photograph. And he puts these words, in, uh, and I'm sorry if this upsets you. I guess it should do. And here's a picture of some of the craziness that goes on here. It's not very clear. But it looks like an 11-year-old boy whose dad I watched take him into a go-go bar and had the girls touch him up. He looked unbelievably uncomfortable. Yet his dad and what looks like his granddad persisted in having the girls pester him. Just one example of the darkness that we're walking into with the light of Jesus. Jesus. Have mercy. In certain places, the darkness is also clear. But we live in an equally dark place. I'd like us to pray for Duncan and Anna, for the team, for the work they're doing, for the prisons they'd go into to be light. But I'd like that to be extended to our shining of light here because it's equally dark. It may not be as overt, but it's equally dark. Are you up for that? Thank you. Let's just take some, some time to pray. Pray together. This is what we do. This is what the gift, one of the gifts of God gives us that we can intercede and know through this uh, activity um, light is shined into dark places as well as our actions, as well as our deeds, as well as our choices. Let's a few of us pray for Duncan and Anna and the team and their ministry shining light alongside others there. Maybe pray for that boy. Pray for his dad and his granddad. And let's pray for ourselves. We need each other. We need to be encouraged and strengthened together. Let's pray out.